Hi, and welcome to the Living Room Scripture Lessons. My name is Brad Constantine, and this set of lessons is from the Come Follow Me curriculum of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Although this is not an official recording of the Church, every attempt has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. There are several other Come Follow Me resources to help with your Gospel and Scripture study. These lessons tend to go a little deeper into the doctrine than most resources. Hopefully this resource will be different enough from the others that you'll come back each week. On the Living Room Scripture Lesson website is a digital version of the lessons, which has more material than can be mentioned in the podcast. You can download that PDF resource and use it as you like. As with other online resources, you can like, share, and subscribe to the podcasts. Again, welcome to this Come Follow Me resource. I hope you like it. Hi, and welcome back to the Come Follow Me Lessons. We're in the middle of the book of Revelation right now. This is uh, lesson number 48, but uh, this is going to cover Revelation chapter 5. So I've broken these down individually to help you uh, study a little bit easier so that you can do it in smaller chunks and and, uh, see what the meanings are behind the book of Revelation. Chapter 5, verse 1. This is the second vision that uh, John is seeing. Uh, he says, and I, and I saw in the right hand, again, remember that, that the right hand is a covenant-making hand, of him that sits on the throne, in other words, God, a book. Uh, the book contains what? The book contains the revealed will, and this is in the Doctrine and Covenant 77. The book reveals, the book contains the revealed will, mysteries, and the works of God, the hidden things of his economy concerning this earth during the 7,000 years of its continuance or its temporal existence. In other words, the earth is going to live to be 7,000 years old since the fall of Adam. And uh, he sees this book which contains the history of the book of, of the thousand of the 7,000 years of this earth. So let's dig further. Orson F. Whitney said, the book which John saw represented the real history of the world, what the eye of God has seen, what the recording angel has written, and the 7,000 years corresponding to the seven seals of the apocalyptic volume are as seven great days during which Mother Earth will fulfill her mortal mission, laboring six days and resting upon the seventh, her period of sanctification. These seven days do not include the period of our planet's creation and preparation as a dwelling place for man. They are limited to Earth's temporal existence, that is, to time, considered as distinct from eternity. Continuing verse 1, written within and on the backside. In other words, this is a scroll that's written on both sides of it, sealed with seven seals. Now, the seals are significant. The seal makes the document legal. God's sealed book was opened in a legal and official manner. The king who sat on his throne in the heavenly temple delivered the sealed book in his right hand. To his chief administrator, the hosts and hosts of beings stood as witnesses. And that was from understanding the book of Revelation. So in heaven here, he sees this where the book is written um, of the history. And we'll, we'll dig deeper into that here. Verse 2, and I saw a strong angel and heard him proclaiming with a loud voice so that all the millions witnessing the event can hear him who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof or to loose the seals thereof in other words who is worthy or qualified or capable or fitted or suited to the task worthy doesn't just mean to be morally worthy but it also means who is able to do it who is capable who is suited and so that's the question that the angel is asking here Verse 3, and no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. Um, so we, we couldn't even look on it. Uh, 
Verse 4, And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. Everyone in heaven knew they would not be worthy enough, would not be perfect to open the book. Only the Savior could do it with authority. Remember that none of us knew, or all of us knew that coming down to earth, we'd make mistakes, that we would not be perfect and worthy to be able to come down here to redeem ourselves. And so we couldn't, we were not qualified to open the book. Verse five, and one of the elders saith unto me, weep not, behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. Remember I mentioned before about uh, the, the symbols on the, the, that John was seeing, one of them being the lion, and that's represented by the tribe of Judah. Continuing verse 5, the root of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. So, so Jesus is able to open the book to allow mortality to occur and for us to be able to come down to earth. Now, what is the book? What, what's in the book? What does the book contain? We'll talk about that in a minute. Verse 6, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as it had been slain. So, um, again, God and Jesus are in the middle of all of this. Um, Jesus and God are not absentee gods, that they are in the middle of what's going on in mortality, and that they are part of our lives. Uh, but the lamb, it says, having twelve horns and twelve eyes, which are the twelve servants of God sent forth into all the earth. So that's representations of the 12 apostles. The 12 horns and 12 eyes are figurative. The horns represent power. The eyes may refer to the seership of the apostles. The word apostle means one who is sent. So as it mentions that they were sent forth into all the earth, and that's what the 12 do. Verse 7, and he, meaning Jesus, came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, in other words, incense, which are the prayers of saints. An apocryphal source adds, I am Raphael, one of the seven holy angels who present the prayers of the saints and who go in and out before the glory of the Holy One. Uh, so prayers that are, that are that raise up into heaven are sent to God for, for him to answer. So uh, the 12 also represents priesthood or God's power, which comes from priesthood. And uh, talking about the lamb that was slain, he's talking about the sacrifice here or that he suffered. Um, the sacrificial lamb that would be Jesus in the meridian of time. Verse 9, and they sung a new song. Now, Doctrine and Covenants 84, 98 to 102 contains the words to another new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for those, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Now remember that to God, everything past, present, and future is one eternal now. And so even though this is prior to the opening of the book, we had confidence that Jesus was going to be successful um, even before uh, the first person was put on the earth. Verse 10, and hast made, unto, made us unto our God kings and priests. Again, temple imagery here and the potential that we each have. The gospel will be preached throughout the earth and those who accept the gospel will worship in the temples of the Lord that are now being established throughout the earth. Uh, continuing verse 10, and we shall reign on the earth. In other words, the saints will become judges on the earth during the millennium. These are those who receive the fullness of the Melchizedek priesthood. We have a lot of temple work to do. This earth will be the celestial kingdom. 
Uh, and then from Joseph Smith, he said, you have got to learn how to be a God yourself in order to save yourself, to be priests and kings as all gods have done by going from a small degree to another, from exaltation to exaltation until you are able to sit in glory as with those who sit enthroned. And that's from the King Follett Discourse. Verse 11, and I beheld and heard, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the numbers of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. The expansion of world population being what it is, we can suppose that the billions who live on earth during the millennium and who grow up without sin unto salvation shall far exceed in number the total hosts of men who have lived during the preceding 6,000 years. Truly in the aggregate, there are many who shall be saved. The Lord will save the majority of his children in exaltation. If you think about the numbers of people that have died before they reach the age of accountability, and estimates are that it's about half, that already puts half of the people on this earth into the celestial kingdom as exalted people. So uh, there's going to be a lot more in heaven or in the celestial kingdom than maybe we sometimes give credit for. Uh, verse 12, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive. Now I want you to notice the numbers here of these qualities, these attributes here. He's saying um, to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. How many are there? There are seven. Again, symbolic of completeness um, and that uh, that all the power that, that the Savior gets here is he, he receives everything of the Father. Verse 13, and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, so that the animals are even praising God, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb forever and ever. Joseph Smith said, Revelation 5.13 proves that John saw beasts in heaven and heard them speak praise to God. I do not know what language they speak. That was Joseph Smith. Verse 14, and the four beasts said, Amen, and the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Again, lots of symbolism going on here. Helps us to understand it a little bit better. Uh, hopefully this has been helpful, and we'll get into the rest of this uh, the next time. I know that these things are true, and that as we have the Spirit with us, we can decipher and understand better the interpretation of a lot of these things that John is seeing. I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. This one will be Revelation chapter 6. I want you to keep in mind that the history of the world that John is seeing is the same as what God sees. So in, the, in this chapter where he sees uh, each of the individual thousand year time periods, uh, he's only going to see a representation of the entire thousand years. So it's not a lot of detail about the thousand years, but it's uh, what, what encapsulates or what God has, is seeing that's the most significant thing during that thousand year period. So that's what's happening here. <clears throat> so we'll get into this one. This is a little bit... Uh, Got some weird things in here that might be interesting. Verse 1. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, or the first seal, one of the four beasts, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, saying, Come and see. And I saw and beheld a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Okay, so it sounds like lots of battles or wars are going on here, that he has a white horse, it's a person riding on a white horse. Elder McConkie identifies the rider on the white horse as Enoch, who was a general over the armies of the saints. Enoch's city was translated about 3017 BC. Moses chapter 7, verse 13 to 16 supports this idea, explaining that Enoch led the people of God and their enemies came to battle against them and all nations feared greatly. So powerful was the word of Enoch. 
And so that first part there in, chapter, in verse 2, we think is probably representing um, Enoch and, and his uh, battles against the wicked. And that occurred in the first thousand years. Verse 3 and 4 represents the second thousand years. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. All right, so what happened in the second thousand years? We might consider that to be the great flood. There was lots of bloodshed that was going on. The writer was given power to take human lives. The main events of this thousand years is the great flood of Noah. And so we think that Noah may be the one that's riding the red horse here. Um, the next one, the next thousand year period is covering by, covered by verses five and six. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, come and see. And I beheld and lo, a black horse and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, a measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny. Hurt not thou the oil and the wine. Okay, what's going on here? First of all, the pair of balances. Who might that be? Um, let's look at this here. First of all, let me talk about the measure of wheat and, and, and uh, barley here. So a measure of wheat is about a quart, the daily food ration for an adult. Uh, and a penny is one day's pay. Um, the third measures of barley, the, the food of the destitute. Um, and so what's going on here is that there's a famine. There's a limit to the destruction about to happen by the writer. Since the, he, he mentions hurt not the wine or the oil, uh, since the roots of the olive and oil go deeper than the roots of barley and wheat, they would not be affected by a limited drought that would all but destroy the grain. This was during the famine during Abraham's time when many died of starvation. And when Jacob and his family went into Egypt for relief, also the judgment of Moses. When we talk about the pair of balances that, that uh, Moses became the lawgiver, uh, the judge. And so he's, we're talking about here uh, from Abraham's time, probably down to Moses's time, and that there's a great famine. That was the main characteristic of that thousand year period. Uh, the next thousand years covered uh, the four thousand years, is, uh, verses seven and eight. Verse seven, and when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, come and see. And I looked and beheld a pale, which means green horse, and his name that sat on him was death and hell. Um, and uh, the death and hell followed with him, and power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts. And beasts just means a degenerate people of the earth. This was the thousand year period to the birth of Christ. There were many wars during this time period. This is the millennium of those great kingdoms and nations who wars, whose wars and treacheries tormented and overran Israel again and again. So this is the thousand years leading up to uh, the time of Jesus. Okay, verses 9 through 11 is the fifth a thousand years. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God. In other words, these are martyrs that have died for, for the Savior and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them. So these are saved in the celestial kingdom. And it was said unto them <clears throat> that they should rest, <clears throat> excuse me, yet for a little season until their fellow servants, in other words, more martyrs would come also, and their brethren that should be killed as they were. 
should be fulfilled. In other words, the martyrs are instructed to wait until after the martyrdom of other saints. So these, we think, are the saints that were killed um, shortly after Jesus' um, crucifixion, the, the Christians that were martyred, and they're waiting for other fellow servants. Who is that? The prophet Joseph Smith, his brother Hiram, and the two prophets of Revelation 11 may be included in this group of individuals who would be killed as they were. The martyrs were to rest until the allotted number of those who were to join them in martyrdom was complete. And that's from uh, understanding the book of Revelation uh, by Perry. This was the era of Christ and the Meridian Day Saints. They died for their testimonies of Christ. Verse 12 then is the next thousand years. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth book, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. This section sets forth seven signs of the times that will occur after the opening of the sixth seal, but before the second coming of the Lord. The seven signs are the earthquake, the darkened sun, the blood red moon, falling stars, heavens opening as a scroll, the movement of mountains and islands, fear coming upon humanity. These signs are to warn the inhabitants of the earth that the end is near. They are designed as a testimony and a warning voice that the Lord is God. It may cause the sun to become black, and there may be so much debris thrown into the air from the earthquake that the moon may look like blood. And that was again from understanding the book of Revelation. We must remember that the events of that day shall be so unprecedented and so beyond human experience that the prophets are and have been at an almost total loss for words to describe those realities pressed in upon them by the spirit of Revelation. So what they're seeing here is kind of difficult to explain, isn't it? And the stars of heaven fell from the earth even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, now figs that ripen late, hanging on the tree even in the winter, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. Such an earthquake has never before been known, and it shall appear to man on earth, as though the stars in the sidereal heavens are falling. And in addition, as here recorded, some heavenly meteors or other objects appearing as stars will fall into the earth. That was doctrinal New Testament commentary. Verse 14, And the heavens opened as a scroll is opened when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved, was moved out of their places, or out of its places. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and, the, and every bondsman, and every, every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the, cave, of the mountains. Notice in verse 15 that John is listing types of men, and there are seven that are listed again to show that this affects everybody. Verse 16, And said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Uh, chapter 7 is going to answer this question, which we'll get to next time. But I want to just talk a little bit about um, this earthquake that's going to happen. This will be so um, unusual, so unprecedented that it's never happened like this before. Remember that when the Savior appears to the Jews on the Mount of Olives, that he, he uh, when he stands upon the Mount of Olives at the Battle of Armageddon, that the Mount is divided in half, going to the north and south, and which creates a valley for the people in Jerusalem to flee to, and that they will look upon him as uh, and and ask them, you know. What are the marks in your hands and feet? And then they will recognize him as the Messiah. And I'm wondering if at that time, when this earthquake occur, occurs in, uh, in the Mount of Olives, if that will be the beginning of an earthquake that will completely 
uh, engulfed the entire Earth, where the continents that we now have, where we have the islands and the continents that are separated, that they all come back together as the continent was all one landmass before, prior to the, um, or at the at the creation of the world, prior to the separation of the continents during the time of Peleg in the in Genesis. I'm wondering if that's the case because that would be a pretty major earthquake, and that would be just prior to his. Um, main arrival uh, as part of the second coming when he comes to the whole earth at, at, and that everybody sees it. I'm just wondering if the timing of that is is that. I don't know, but it's it might be. I bear testimony of the of the scriptures and the truthfulness of them, and I'm I know that uh, as we uh, dig in and study the book of uh, of Revelation, that we can get a better understanding of it. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time.